Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morse. Today our passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, We'll read our section, we'll give a little background, and we'll talk about some application. So let's read. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We are jumping... uh, maybe midway you could look at it midway through this discourse that jesus has with his apostles once you get into chapter 17 it's really just jesus praying but he's kind of praying you know with with the with the apostles listening to him and this is started back in 14 so this is this is a pretty lengthy um uh, conversation that jesus has recorded in the gospel of john for us so right here in chapter 16 he uh, while it is up for some debate it's pretty clear that he's speaking directly to his 12 apostles. We can see that in some of the language he uses in both 15, 16, and 17. Uh, but again, that's that might be up for debate. Uh, some of the things that he points to is it's pretty clear that he's speaking just to his apostles. So this is an intimate moment. And you can see some of it in the way that he's talking about how they are somber and how they are grieving and how they are sorrowful because he's talking about his departure, how it's coming soon. And definitely this is, you know, if we know anything about the disciples, is that they never knew what was going on. They never, like, could ever fully grasp what Jesus' mission here was. Now, they really had this Israelite kind of knowledge and background of the Messiah that kind of clouded a lot of the things that Jesus was saying and doing. But here he's getting really, really explicit, um, really specific about what's going to happen. He talks about, uh, don't worry, though. Hey, it's all going to work out. The, the Spirit is going to come in my place. And, you know, there might be some confusion. I know there was for me. Uh, I, I can kind of remember vaguely early on in, in my studies coming across this type of verse and just being really confused. Well, why can't the Spirit and Jesus both just be here and minister to the world? Why does it have to be one over the other? And I, I can clearly remember at some point thinking, oh, this must have something to do with the Trinity. You know, maybe 
it's, it's a kind of a funny thing to think about, you know, because one member of the Trinity is here, the other one can't be, which just makes no sense. And so just for clarification, uh, that, the, that the Spirit and Christ are not going to minister to the world at the same time has nothing to do with some metaphysical impossibility. Rather, this is more of an, like a, an eschatological statement. He's making a statement about what the end times are really going to look like. In the end of the age, as, as they've read all throughout their Old Testament, uh, the, the apostles would have those of them that are, have good Jewish background, the end of the age is characterized by the Spirit throughout all of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, all of these people talk about how the Spirit is going to pour forth on mankind, how from him wisdom and understanding, all of this is coming from the Spirit. But this period of the kingdom is not inaugurated until Jesus has died, risen, ascended, and taken his place at the Father's right hand. Those things have to happen in order for the Spirit to be sent. In order for us to be ushered into this age of the Spirit, Jesus has to take his place on the throne. And why? <laughs> Might be the next question. And that will be a really great question to ask God one day. Um, you know, we can surmise some things, but why it works out this way, um, I trust that God knows best here. So because Jesus goes, because he's sent away, because he takes his place on the throne, exalted um, above all other creation, he is able to then send the Spirit to us and uh, assist us in this final age. So that's what the Spirit does now. And that's what we see happening on Pentecost. The Spirit is finally given to us and we have we are empowered. We are able to bring the gospel to people. We are able to preach proclamation. We're able to proclaim the message of, of the good news of the gospel. So what the Spirit does is given to us just a little bit in verses 8 through 11. The Spirit is meant to convict. And it's meant to convict in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And if you see verses 9 through 11, you get concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, what do those things mean? I like D.A. Carson's commentary for a lot of reasons. I like what he has to say on this um, particular matter. He says that, um, the Spirit convicts the word of sin, the world of sin, because the people who constitute the world do not believe in Jesus. The Spirit presses home the world's sin despite the world's unbelief. It is designed to bring the world to repentance, turn to Jesus, and thus stop being the world. I thought that was nice. That's some of the content. There's actually a longer section, but I just took some of those key phrases out. According to righteousness, Carson says, Jesus was to show up the emptiness of the world's pretensions, to expose by his light the darkness of the world for what it is. According to judgment, he says. That is, he's judging, convicting us of judgment in this. The world's multifaceted spiritual blindness, supremely displayed in its treatment of Jesus and to stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So it's like 
the Spirit takes these things and gives us a new way of looking at it. We are really confronted with our sin in a way that the law couldn't because of the Spirit. We now have a fuller understanding of righteousness, how we are made righteous because of Jesus, and now because of our understanding that we're given through the Spirit. Much of that put down in, in Paul's writings. We have an, a better understanding of judgment because of the Spirit, what the Spirit has given to those apostles and what we now have recorded. Now, a, an interesting thing about Revelation here, like you know, the Hebrew writer, for instance, in, in his opening chapter, he talks about Revelation. He talks about how things came through. Um, the prophets came to... Anyway, it ends up being... It has come to us now through the Son. And that's kind of like the nodal point of all Revelation. And and it is, it's fine to say that Scripture is a re- revelatory, um, you know, physical thing given to us. But we should also recognize that that revelation really stopped with Jesus. The things that Jesus gave us through his word in his life was everything we needed from God. That's what makes Jesus such an important figure. That's what makes us, that's what makes him our Lord and our Savior because he gave us the full revelation. It's all here now and it's in the life and word of Jesus. Um, if that doesn't make you want to go back and just read through the Gospels again, just to hear Jesus' words, because seeing and hearing Jesus is seeing and hearing God, uh, that should just excite you uh, and get you ready to to carry out what, what Jesus wants for us. He should really be that ultimate example in our life. Um, and due to that, due to what we've read here, hopefully that's going to cause you to love and serve your neighbors in some real ways this week. I hope you do that. Peace and love.